0: Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, online church. It's good to see you too. Those of you that couldn't make it in the snow. um, Good to see you. I think that would be the camera. It is so good to be with you all. If you're listening for my accent, you're like, man, that is not an American accent. You are correct. Well done. You win for today. Um, I am from South Africa, and I'm trying to get into my iPad. I am from a place called Port Elizabeth, South Africa, renamed Kabeja just recently, and um, I moved to... Well, I thought I was going to California for one year in total, and I've been there now for 14 years. I went to our school of ministry there, and from there, God just did what only God can do. I was a 22-year-old hairdresser uh, that was hungry for the more of the Lord I grew up in the church, and... I went over to Bethel uh, to our school of ministry. No one in South Africa knew where I was going. They thought maybe it was Harry Potter's school. They weren't sure um, because nobody knew. Jesus' culture was just had just put out their We Cry Out CD and DVD. So it kind of hadn't made its rounds yet. And uh, the Lord called me. I thought I was going to a theological seminary school. Uh, I was from a Methodist church. And uh, the Lord can do what only He did. And He just drew me into His heart and He... He set my heart on fire for Him. And so anyway, I've been there now for 14 years. I've been on our staff for 11 years. I've led in our second year school, Supernatural Ministry for 10 years. And the last two years have been pioneering our online school. Um, But more than anything else, I asked the Lord God, if there were two or three people that were burning for you, Lord, would you you put me with them? And um, I've had the privilege of running with burning people For the last 14 years of my life and I just want to tell you what an honor it is. Thank you so much um, to the Witt family for having me here because it is an honor not just to come and share with you but to come and run with you. Uh, this is this is my dream come true, not to be a speaker, not to be a teacher, but to run with believers who are hungry for the more of Jesus, who want to see his kingdom manifest here on the earth and who are willing to cross scary rivers because they want to obtain the land that he has promised them to walk in and live in. And so um, it's a privilege to be here. I don't know if there's a picture of my family. I think there was like a million cent, but if there is one, yes, there they are. That is my family. That's actually in my garden in South Africa. We went to visit my family in July of last year, and so that is my amazing husband and uh, my oldest son, Aiden. That's my middle child, Liberty. Uh, if you don't notice, we call her a homie with an extra chromie. Um uh, Liberty uh, is every essence of her name. She is freedom. She has Down syndrome, and she is delightful, and then that's our youngest surprise baby. His name is Ash. Uh, he's a little bit bigger now. He's a year old. And so that's my beautiful family. And if you're wondering, my husband has all three of them for all the days that I'm here. He does it every time I travel. And uh, he is a walking sign and wonder in my South African mind because I don't think my dad changed one diaper for three kids. So um, new generation of fathers, I guess. And he's actually very passionate about being a dad and it's what he, it's what he burns for. He's in film and uh, media, but the thing that he burns for is being a father. So that's my family. Um, Pastor Steve almost preached my message this morning in transition, which is wonderful, um, which means God is speaking and that is all we long for. It doesn't matter who releases it, it's that he is speaking to us. And so I just want to just take a moment Oh, before we pray. I just want to tell you, I, I get no props for telling you to do this. Go to the Holy Spirit Conference. <laughs> I, um, I, I was like, man, for $60, I would pay that three times to go sit in a room to receive from those men. Both Benny Hinn and Michael Coulianos have radically touched my life. I had a life-changing encounter in January of 2020 from a prophetic word given to me by Michael four months before um, I shook violently under the power of God for six weeks as he dealt with the fear of man in my life as the Holy Spirit apprehended every part of me. And literally by his grace and mercy, he just took out the one thing that I was wrestling with in the Lord to step into what he was calling me to. I spent every time time that I would preach or teach or go up on stage, I would wrestle with God before and I would wrestle with God afterwards because I was so afraid of Um, offending people so afraid of what people not of their opinion of me but that I would get something wrong or do something wrong I was terrified of offending people and um, the Lord dealt with it with me through a word that Michael gave and a book that Benny Hinn wrote called Good Morning Holy Spirit and um, I I just feel felt so from the Lord like if you're wondering if you should go you should go Because God is going to meet you and God is going to touch you. And if he doesn't touch you in that moment, he'll deposit a seed in you that will grow into something that you could never dream, think or imagine in your own life. So I'm going to pray. God is here. But I'm just going to tell him that I want more of him and we want more. Holy Spirit. Jesus we thank you that in Luke 11 it says that if a father won't give his son a snake instead of a fish or a scorpion instead of eggs how much more will the father give us the Holy Spirit. Jesus we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that no longer rests on a person but now is available to all who have received you as their saviour. And so Holy Spirit, today we invite you to come and speak. We invite you to come and move. And we ask that you will do what only you can do. Would you magnify in our minds the words that you are speaking? Will you move our hearts and will you burn in our spirits? Will you awaken us to what we are and who you are within us? God, I pray that there would be a deposit of fresh courage today. Lord, not because we tried harder, but because we received the one who is courage. We make room for you, God. Your way, your way is the better way. We invite you, Holy Spirit, come and rest in this place. Make us a resting place for your glory, for your presence. We want to know you more than anything else. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence, God. We ask for more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. On the plane ride here, I was spending some time with the Lord and asking him what he wanted to say. To you this morning, and I had a different sermon that I thought I would speak, and He immediately started speaking to me from the book of Joshua, and um, come to find out, I was talking to Rachel last night after she picked us up that you guys have been talking about obtaining the land, and um, I'm not going to change the subject today. Uh, we're going to stay on the subject because that's what the Lord is speaking to me about, and I just was reading through the book of Joshua. I think sometimes the Old Testament is tough to read in this day and age because I think we kind of pick and choose from the word. I don't think there's anything wrong with reading a verse here or a passage here, but the Old Testament is meant to be read like a story. And so I just wanna bring you into the story of Joshua. And um, I was first struck in the story of Joshua before we even start in the book of Joshua one in Deuteronomy 34:9. i I'm just gonna kind of run through this uh, just for time's sake. Moses lays his hands upon Joshua, and it talks about in Deuteronomy 34 that the Spirit of God was resting upon Joshua. You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit wasn't available to all. It says in the Word of God that it's in the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. It's in Joel. But in these days, the days that Joel was prophesying from, he was seeing into our day. In Joel's day, in Joshua's day, in Moses' day, the Spirit of God would rest on a person for the sake of a people. But in our day, the Spirit of God rests on a people for the sake of a region, for the sake of a nation, for the sake of the world. The Spirit of God no longer rests on one for the sake of a people, but now rests upon you for the sake of all people. And Joshua, it says the Spirit of God is upon him. Moses prays for him, blesses him. Moses dies, never gets to enter the promised land because of the lack of faith, as Pastor C was saying, because of the lack of faith of Moses' generation, they never got to walk into the promise. But now Joshua, who is a man of courage, is about to lead the people into the promised land. And we can go, if you want to go to Joshua 1, I love the Bible. The Bible loves you too. Verse two, it says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and cross the Jordan. I love that we're talking about crossing rivers. Here we go. We're about to cross a river today. Arise, cross the Jordan, you and all these people to the land which I'm giving you to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given to you, just as I spoke to Moses. Verse five, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as you have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. This is the second time he said, be strong and courageous. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, has commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success. And it continues. And again, towards the end, towards verse nine, it says again, be strong and courageous. Why did Joshua need to be strong and courageous? Because Joshua had been in the land years before that. 40 years before that, Joshua had been sent of one of 12 spies into the land. Him and Caleb had already seen it. And in that land was not only a land of milk and honey, but there were giants. There were Nephilim. There was was huge men. You know what's interesting about this is when the the spies had come back from seeing this land that they were going to start entering into, the spies who were like, "We should not go." there are 10 of them, they were like, "We should not go." They said about themselves, this is in numbers 13, they say that we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. The first thing I want to say to you is that as you call to the promised land, your view of yourself will affect whether you feel like you can obtain the land or not. The lands in which you see yourself, I want to tell you the lens in which I see myself is not the lens in which God sees Haley. A lot of people say you need to believe in yourself. I want to tell you, you don't need to believe in yourself. You need to believe in who God is in you. (laughs) It's, It's very easy for me to naysay about myself. Why? Because I know myself. I know when I have a hard day. I know when I get impatient with my husband. I know when I get stressed out about things that I should have faith about. I know myself. I know what I'm afraid of. I know what presses my buttons, right? Anyone else or you're all perfect. Amen. When God calls you, He doesn't call you thinking that you're going to do it independently of Him. And Joshua and Caleb, when they had walked into the promised land, they didn't see giants in the same way that the others saw giants because they were looking with the lens of God towards the people instead of from the people towards the giants, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. I spent so much of my life bargaining with God. Surely you can't mean I should do that. Surely you can't mean me. You must mean the person next to me. I think Moses did that in the wilderness, right? Surely not me. I stutter God. Gideon, surely not me. I'm from the least of the least of the least of the least. The angel calls him a valiant man of God and he's hiding in a winepress, threshing a little bit of wheat for himself. I just want to tell you, if you struggle to believe in yourself, you're with all the heroes in the faith. You can join the party. But here's the thing, that Joshua had the spirit of God in him and the spirit of God makes you courageous. Later on in, in chapter three, they come to cross the Jordan River and Joshua gives them a set of instructions as they cross the river. And the first instruction is, you follow the ark of the Lord. I'm going to go back into Numbers 13, just referencing. It was so interesting when, when the spies came out of the, the wilderness, out of the promised land. The people were like, we can't go. We're not going to the promised land. It's too dangerous. And then God gets really mad at them, wants to end their lives. Moses bargains with God. God saves them, just says they're not going to the land. And the people wake up the next day and they go, we're going to go. And they make it really clear in numbers that they go without the Ark of the Covenant. They go without the presence. And when they go without the presence, the promise of obtaining the land is, not, is no longer valid. Because they go in their own strength. And they get beaten down. And Joshua now, who has seen this, Joshua lived in the day, saw his people get beaten down, going without the presence. He now commands them, the ark is going to go before you and you need to follow it. It's not smart to go pick a fight where God isn't. When we talk about obtaining a promise, when we talk about crossing into land to obtain it, this isn't land for our sake. This is land that God has given us. Each of you, the Lord has given you a sphere of influence within your society. A lot of times we come to church on a Sunday and we think the only place that God can happen is in this building. But God has given you a metron of influence, has given you an area of influence. I happen to be called to the church. But you might be called to business. You might be called to the home. You might be called to the political realm. You might be called to smile at the person at the checkout store. There's an eagle something, great eagle. There's a giant eagle, there we go. We don't have that in California nor in South Africa. You might be called to families. You might be called to marriages. You might be called to children. You might be called to, to finance. God has given you a space that He wants you to obtain for the sake of His glory. But there's no point in picking a fight where God isn't fighting. We're not activists, we're revivalists. And I felt immediately as I I was praying on the plane that the Lord had a message for you that this house is coming to a season of crossing a river. That there are promises before you. There are things that the Lord has for you on the other side of a river. And the Lord wants to do things inside of you, not just as a body, but personally. I think one of the greatest challenges in this time that we are living in is that we are looking for someone bigger than us, better than us, more influential than us to do the stuff. A lot of people think that their prophetic words are just going to (laughs) happen. They think that they get this prophetic word and then I'm just going to sit on my couch and I'm going to watch my shows and it's just going to happen. I want to tell you that, that prophetic words aren't just sovereign. They are empowered by a sovereign God, but they're looking for a partner. I wish in my life that, that the Lord, when Michael Koulianus gave me this word about the fear of man having to die, I remember lying on the floor saying, God, only you know that I'm afraid. I've done everything for the last 10 years afraid. I've just done it afraid. Only you know. But God, today I yield to this word because every prophetic word has a grace and I yield to the grace. You know, when I got off the floor, I still had the fear of man. I just began to yield to the grace. Every day, of, every day for the next four months, I would get up and say, God, I lay down my shield of the fear of man. Will you be my shield? God, I lay down my shield of the fear of man. Will you be every day? And then one day God touches me, making a choice to step in. A lot of times I think we, because of our belief of ourselves, because of the way we see ourselves, we can, we can hear those prophetic words and we put them on a shelf because we're like, that, if that's either God or not, because that could never be me. But it actually asks us, God asks us, will you enter into the promise, into the grace of that word and begin to say, God, if you spoke that, Will you do it in me? God, I position myself. Do it in me. In chapter three, the ark goes before them. And, and as they come to the Jordan River, the Levites, the priests that are holding the ark, the whole Jordan River stops as their toes touch the water. I felt the Lord tell me to tell you that he's still the God that, God that parts the sea and parts rivers. Even today, as Steve was praying for you, I felt some of you will, will cross the river and others of you, you'll watch a miracle happen in front of you as you believe God. As you let His presence go before you, I, I really sense that there's going to be a parting of the river moment for this house. That the Lord is, is creating a space and a place for you guys to part into a place you never imagined you could go. And these Levites, as their toes touch the water parts, and God gives them a command. He says, all the people go through, and he says, at the end, I want you to choose one man from each of the tribes to pick up a stone from, from the river. And I want you to set up the stone as a memorial. And I want you to tell your children. I'm going to read this in verse in chapter 3. I'm sorry I'm, I'm going so quick. I, I, I have something I want to make sure I get to. Sorry, chapter 4, right at the end on verse 23. Um, Sorry, verse 22. Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel, crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done in the Red Sea, which he had dried up before us and we had crossed that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of God is mighty so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. After this this crossing of the Jordan, they set up these stones. I wanna tell you, they set up these stones at a camp called Gilgal. And this is right before they take the city of Jericho. We all know the story. You march around. They march around seven times. And the city comes down. Why why do I care about these stones at Gilgal? You see, later on in the next chapter in Judges, in the next book in Judges, chapter three, there's a man called Ehud. It's a funny story. This man called Ehud, the, the Israelites are living in the promised land, this land that you're about to take. They're living in the promised land. Another generation is now living and alive, And the Israelites are going back and forth between serving God and serving foreign gods. And every time they drift away from God, these enemies will come in and overthrow their camps and take all their food and take all their supplies. And and the Lord will raise up a deliverer, a judge. And this deliverer now is Ehud. The Israelites are starving and Ehud goes to overthrow this king, King Eglon. And Ehud, I don't know why he leaves. I think he chickens out. He doesn't have the opportune time. And in Judges 3, it says, and then he got to the stones of Gilgal, and he turns around. And he turns around, and he goes, and he overthrows this king. He goes and kills this king. And, and the Israelites live in peace for 80 years. Why do you think Ehud stopped at the stones of Gilgal? Because Ehud's grandfather and father, his great grandfather had told him a story of a generation that walked across the Jordan one time. A generation that had the presence go before them, and though they were small, God called them to be mighty. And though they maybe did not always feel courageous, God put faith in them. A generation that Joshua led through the Jordan River that took this land you're living in. And this land now is being overthrown by a foreign king, and you have to take it back. Why? Because if God did it before, he's going to do it again. Your life might feel small. Your life might not feel like you have much time left. I wanna tell you that you are living for more than just this moment. You are living for the sake of the generation. And there's a generation to come that is gonna need to look back on stories of grandfathers and grandmothers who were unafraid, who were filled with faith, not because they tried hard, but because they received something that no man can give. And that is the Spirit of God. I wrote this down, I I was just at this conference, this healing conference with Randy Clark and Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson's my spiritual dad, Um, he's my leader. Uh, Do you guys know who Bill is? Amen. Bill Bill is walking in signs and wonders and miracles. He's one of the greatest revivalists of our generation, I believe. Randy, the same thing, he sparked the Toronto revival, which is really why we're in the charismatic church right now. That's why we're experiencing a move of the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you what the greatest challenge for me is as a daughter in that movement? Is that I can receive the form of revival without the power of revival. Because I'm living off the stories of someone's history instead of entering into and making my own history. And we just had this healing school And I'm standing, I call out a word of knowledge and I'm standing and I start praying for people and this is where the rubber meets the road. As I start praying for people, do I see breakthrough or don't I? And it's not about, I just wanna tell you, I can't heal anyone no matter how hard I try. But it begins to create this conversation between me and the Lord of saying, oh, I wanna shy away from these moments because I don't know if I'm enough. I don't know. I don't want people to be disappointed. I don't want to pray for them and nothing happens. But I don't think Bill became Bill by walking away from an opportunity. You see, I think a lot of times we're waiting for the sovereign hand of God to come and just heal the room. But God is saying, what what is in your hands? And we started praying for people. And I, I uh, unfortunately called out two words of knowledge that you can't really tell if people get healed, which is diabetes and thyroid issues. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Haley, couldn't you have called something? At least you could have seen some breakthrough in the day. You know, you're praying for people, and and then I get a Facebook message, Haley, my blood pressure's gone down ten points. Two days later, it's come down another ten points. Chanel and I, Chanel's traveling with me. Um, it's one of our third years. She's incredible. Chanel's sitting on the plane and she texts me, there's a man on the plane, last night a bunch of people prayed for him, nothing happened and this morning an orange size hernia that they were praying for has disappeared. You see, I don't want to hand my children a doctrine without power to back it. That's like a father that talks but has no action. This world is looking for an active father, for a real Jesus. And the way that he gets revealed is through you. Cleveland, Ohio, I don't know how they get to know Jesus if it's not through you. And that's challenging. I'm not speaking to you, I'm speaking with you. That is challenging. But you get to set up stones of memorial one day for your children. I grew up in a Methodist church where people didn't do much about the Holy Spirit. It was kind of like if the Holy Spirit showed up, it usually was in youth group. And uh, I listen, my Methodist church loved Jesus and they taught me about loving Jesus, about being obedient to Jesus and I'm so grateful. But renewal came in Toronto and my mom was hungry. And my mom went off and snuck off to one of the charismatic churches. I remember I was seven years old. Snuck off to a charismatic church and she was asking for the gift of joy. She asked and nothing happened that whole conference. She was the worship pastor of our Methodist church. She comes back, starting to lead worship for communion and joy touches her in the middle of of our wooden pew liturgic Methodist church. Probably singing, Oh, the blood of Jesus. And my mother cannot stop laughing. She is laughing and laughing to the point that she has to go and hide in the back room. And the next week they have to put in the church weekly in the notices that, or you'd call it the bulletin, I'm not sure. They have to put it in there that, my, that Debbie Glove is not demon possessed. Because the church had no great... Can I tell you as a seven year old, I remember my mom coming home to my grandmother... I was staying with my grandmother that night and I remember her telling my grandmother's story and I overheard and I remember my mom weeping because she was so embarrassed. Can I tell you that that story put a fire inside of me? Even though it didn't turn out well for her, even though people didn't understand it, put a fire inside of a seven-year-old little girl that said, I want to do something great for Jesus. Jesus. At 12, my dad, would he was the only guy that would pray out in tongues in our church, and he would say, barajum, barajum, that was his tongues, and my 14-year-old brother would make fun of my dad, telling him that that's not a real tongue, because everyone else can say it, and my dad would, barajum, barajum, and then my brother would just ridicule him, but it was kind of like the family joke, but at 12, I wanted the gift of tongues. So I went and stood behind my six foot two dad in the dark Sunday night service. I stood behind him and I thought, well, if he can butter zoom, I can (laughs) butter (laughs) zoom. And so I started, I started copying my father. And as I copied my father, the Holy Spirit started filling me, started touching me. And I got my own prayer language because my father was willing to be ridiculed because of his passion for the Lord. I want to tell you that obtaining the promised land isn't always exciting. You don't always feel ready. You don't always feel capable, but I want to tell you the Spirit of God is leading you and where the Spirit of God leads you, He will make a way. God is making a way for you. Some of you have been feeling the stirring in your heart, like there is more. I know there is more. And you can feel that there's a line in the sand. And and, and you know what? More doesn't mean that, you, that you're running across the stage doing cartwheels. Maybe it is. I'm sorry. I apologize, Whit family, if that happens. But maybe more is simply I'm going to raise my hands in church. Maybe more is I'm going to start diving into the Word of God. Maybe more is I'm going to tell the the lady at the cash register, do you know that Jesus loves you? In front of my four-year-old, even if she rejects me, maybe more is sending that message on Facebook to a family member saying, hey, I've been thinking about you recently. I know you don't believe in Jesus, but I want to tell you, I, I can feel Him stirring my heart to tell you that He loves you. He is for you. There is a Holy Spirit fire that wants to fill us and activate us. He never designed for you to do this on your own. We talk about breaking down religion and tradition. It's not that religion or tradition is bad. It's when the form takes place of the power. When we we do the things without the connection to him. I want to close with this. Peter, Peter, man, what a guy in the Bible. Peter, I think, was a lot like me. Very zealous, but in the moment, back down. I'm like, man, I'm zealous. Can you tell? I I love a good, like the Lord the Holy Spirit's been talking to me about the oil recently I'm like but I like the fire God and he's like yeah but the fire doesn't get sustained without the oil so I'm learning about the oil of the Lord in this season but Peter was like this he was very zealous anytime Jesus would ask him to do something he'd be like yes God I want to do that I want to be that you know when they come to to arrest Jesus he chops off one of the guy's ears and Jesus is like oh my gosh Peter really this is not the time and Jesus has to heal the guy right before he goes to the cross I mean Jesus is in like the hour of anguish and Peter's just like you will not take him and Jesus is like this is not not the time Pete, back off. You know, Pete's the guy, Jesus walking on water, he's the only disciple to get out the boat. We can give Pete a hard time, but at least he's getting out the boat, you know. But the minute he gets out the boat, he's like, oh no, what have I done? You know, any of you like that? You're like, I'm going for it. Oh no! And that was Peter. And Jesus is like, look at me, look, just look at me. Peter's the guy that Jesus says, you're going to deny me. And he's like, never will I ever, not a chance. And then the opportunity comes and he denies Jesus three times. He failed. But we have a God of redemption. (laughs) And when the Holy Spirit meets Peter in the upper room, who's the first one to preach? The zealous one. But now, now filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter doesn't back down. In Acts 3, Peter heals, he heals a lame man. He says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give to you. You know are so beautiful in that scripture? He tells the lame man, look at me. The very thing Jesus said to him walking on the water, Peter says to the lame man, Peter's like, I've experienced the Christ and I'm about to give you the Christ because now he lives in me. Peter calls this man out, he starts walking And Peter gets pulled in front of a a company of jurors basically to decide if he's going to get thrown in prison, if he's going to get martyred. And Peter, who previously denied Christ, now filled with the Holy Spirit says, I will not stop preaching this gospel. Peter, who was a coward before, becomes a bold man of faith because he received the Holy Spirit. I wanna, I wanna speak courage into you today. If you feel like you lack, if you feel like as I'm speaking, like, yeah, this is for some, but this couldn't be for me. I've, I've done too many wrong things. Well, Peter denied the Christ. I wanna tell you that the Holy Spirit is available to you. He's not waiting for you to get better. He's not waiting for you to be more ready. He's not waiting for you to feel good about yourself. He's not waiting for you to to think better thoughts. You know what? He can change your thoughts. He can change what you think about yourself. He can change how you feel about you. He can change you from top to bottom, inside to outside. I stand as a picture. I'm a hairdresser from South Africa. If God can use... A man that stutters in the wilderness to deliver hundreds of thousands of people. If he can use a man hiding in a wine press. If he can use a little virgin girl called Mary. Man, what he could do in us. What he will do in you. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. sense in this house that I, there are people who are passionate and fiery for the Lord and I sense that there is coming a fresh touch of his Holy Spirit to this house that is going to put boldness and courage in you and I, I, I want to break off of you any Lie of the enemy. Even when you hear this message, sometimes you hear this like, oh, you see, you're not doing enough. Oh, you see, you're not. I want to break that in Jesus' name. That is not the voice of the Father. The voice of the Father doesn't belittle you, it doesn't accuse you. The voice of the Father goes, You see, you knew you were made for this. You see, you see that stirring in your heart that the enemy wants you to push down. That's me. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Wow, come Holy Spirit. God, I pray for the oil of refreshing to be poured out. The wind of your Spirit to come and fan the flame. Holy Spirit, I thank You that it is not by might nor by power, but by You, by the Spirit of God, And God, I pray for a fresh courage, for a fresh boldness. And God, I pray that you would release a holy permission before Joshua marched out. He told the people, consecrate yourselves. God, I pray for a season of consecration, that anything, God, that stands in the way of what you want to do, God, a belief system, God, any sin or encumbrance, any heavyweight, God, it would be cast off by your mercy and by your grace, God, we come as we are and we say, Lord, if you are looking for a resting place, here I am. If you're looking for a a mouthpiece, God, for hands, for feet, for eyes, for a body, God, you can have this one. I might have five loaves and two fish, God, and it might look small in comparison to the need, Lord, but if you lay your hands upon me, God, Would You lay Your hands upon us, God? I pray for a fresh and holy fire that would begin to burn. Would You stir in us, Lord, a hunger for You that could only come come from heaven? I break off shame. I give You permission today to throw off shame, that encumbrance, that hindrance. And I speak over you that your past no longer defines you, for you are now in Christ Jesus. The old has gone. You have been made new, brand new, not fixed up. You are brand new if you are in Jesus. We invite you, Holy Spirit. We invite you, if you just say with me, Holy Spirit, I want to be a resting place. Come and do what only you can do. Come and fan the flame that you started. I receive you. I receive your boldness oh just one more thing say for it's not by might it's not by power but by your spirit help me to be obedient to your spirit Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com give.